Hi, this is David Michelini, and I wrote Amazing Spider-Man, and you're listening to Amazing Spider-Talk. Welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Amy Sandifer, the redheaded fiance of your usual host, Dan Gavazdan. And I'm Erin Hadley Janakio, the redheaded wife of your usual host, Mark Janakio. Thanks for joining us for a special Valentine's Day episode of Amazing Spider Talk. We hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent, ostensibly, conversation. In- <laughs> I can't even, I, I, I should not ad lib. Okay. Thanks for joining us for a special Valentine's Day episode of Amazing Spider Talk. We hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors and women. And their spouses. (laughs) (laughs) As we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. For this episode, we'll be discussing a classic Spider-Man story all about love, marriage, and ripped t-shirts. This week, we will be discussing Amazing Spider-Man Annual 21, also known as The Wedding. Then we'll be giving out some prizes and concluding with uh, Swarm's B-Title Reviews. In the spirit of marital bliss, we thought we'd invite on some special guests, our betrothed, Dan and Mark. Welcome! (laughs) Thanks for having us. Yeah, I don't know. That seemed like a pretty low-energy reading, Dan. What? Uh, On my my part or their part? Their part? Come on, low-energy sad. (laughs) (laughs) Trolling your wife is not a good way to, to start the podcast. (laughs) <laughs> or is it? It's Perhaps. the best way. <laughs> All right, Dan. Why don't you set us up with a really awful transition? You know, I, I'm not. I'm not having one right now. But you know, uh, Amy and I are about to get married. So uh, uh, how fitting that we're going to talk about the wedding issue. You're about. You're about to get married, and and Aaron and I will be celebrating ten years this oh, November. Wow. So does that mean divorce is on the horizon? Oh, stop. Are you gonna are you gonna make a deal with the devil? My goodness. Well it's it'll then be it's ten years from one more day, I believe, as well. So there you go. There's some there's something lining up here. I hate to And thirty it. years from this issue. There like you go. it's all oh, man. it's all about the sevens, man. All right, all right. Well let's talk <laughs> about it, Mark. And Aaron. Yes. And Amy. <laughs> Do I get any say in this deal with the devil dissolving our marriage nonsense? Um, How much of a say did Mary Jane get? Well, she pushed him into doing it. Remember, that was like part of like the character assassination. Oh, yeah. She was like, I I see a back door here. Let's take it. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, Joe Cassad is telling me we should say yes. So let's do it. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about this issue. With All right, so um, Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number Twenty One, Dan. It's another annual issue, so I guess I have to like you know eat eat dirt here for that one. Um, this is uh, technically an, an essential, though. No, this is not an essential. That's a good point. Um, although you know, certainly people would argue it. I mean, it's funny. Um, it's a wedding issue. It's it's a pretty benign issue in terms of what actually transpires in it. Yet, uh, in a lot of ways. This could probably be in the running for like most controversial single issues of Spider-Man of all time, based on all of the um, kind of editorial gymnastics, gymnastics that followed its publication in 1987. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, they married these two off, and then from that point on, it was like, how are we going to break them up? <laughs> yeah. Do you want to give some context for the listeners and for uh, our significant others for the like backstory of how this issue came to be? 
Well, as people could read about in my upcoming book, 100 Things Spider-Man Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. I did not give you the opportunity to put a plug in here, Mark. <laughs> no, I like it. Keep it in. Leave it in. <laughs> um, yeah, so the backstory for this issue um, essentially was that um, Stan Lee and uh, Marvel's editor-in-chief at the time, Jim Shooter, were on a comic book panel together. And Stan was writing the uh, Spider-Man newspaper comic book strip um, in which Peter and MJ were a couple. And uh, one of the fans apparently asked Stan and Shooter, oh, you know, why don't we get – when are Peter and Mary Jane going to get married? And Stan was like, that's a great idea. What do you say, Jim? And uh, Shooter kind of looking at it as a potential opportunity to, you know, get a big crossover and a mainstream uh, storyline that might get picked up in the press and stuff like that, decided to go for it. So they were actually going to, like, synchronize for the first time the comic book strip in the newspaper with the actual, you know, monthly uh, edition of Amazing Spider-Man. So um, the problem with this whole thing was... Nobody working for Marvel at the time wanted anything to do with writing these two as a married couple in the comics. Um, Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends had been uh, scripting and illustrating Amazing Spider-Man, and, and they had brought Mary Jane back kind of as, you know, just to be like the friend and the confidant. And they even had MJ know Peter's identity. Um, but they've said repeatedly they had no intentions of marrying them off. In fact, they had pitched a story that was like, oh, you know, maybe uh, she'll – they'll she'll take his proposal but stand him up at the altar or something like that um so right, at this point he had proposed to her several times yes yeah he first proposed to mary jane in the 70s uh which is actually something that the writer uh marv wolfman did primarily because he wanted to write mj out of the book because he knew she you know he was like you know she wouldn't say yes based on her personality as kind of a party girl and a commitment phobe um, so, you know, Wolfman kind of had that put into his storyline within one of his first issues. Cause he was like, I, I got to get MJ out of here. You know, what's a, what's a little nerd like Peter doing with a, a supermodel? Let's move on. Um, and then she, you know, he kind of like jumped to the black hat and all that stuff. Um, your favorite romance, Dan, oh, we'll have to do, bad. we'll have to do a black hat, uh, issue next year. I do, I do want to do the black hat and, uh, and, and black hat's mom meets Spider-Man, uh, issue. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a touching story of romance. Um, coming to dinner kind of thing. <laughs> but, um, uh, David Michelini, who we had on the show some time ago, and he, he talked a little bit about this too. He was, he was essentially, he was basically amazing Spider-Man's full-time writer at the time that this issue came out. And, um, he kind of didn't know how to broach it either. Um, he had some ideas, um, but Shooter eventually just wrote it himself uh and and we got what we got apparently i you know i we never got this from david but in you know again not to plug away but in some of the research i was doing dan um they couldn't even find the artist for this book like uh paul ryan who he passed away recently right he passed away last was it like late last year which paul ryan are we talking about the artist paul ryan not the speaker of the house paul ryan uh yeah i think you're right he did he passed away it was like a year year and a half ago yeah, yeah. Um, he ended up doing the the pencils on this, but um, it kind of jumped around. Sal Buscema was originally um, the one who was on it, and he quit because Shooter was micromanaging him. Uh, and I think like they tried to get JRJR on it too, and he wanted nothing. To, like nobody wanted anything to do with it. This was like this was like Shooter's disaster to die on. That was like basically the the mentality. And because Paul Ryan was kind of a newer name in the marvel bullpen he was like all right i guess i'll do it or like never work at marvel again and he does a good job i think kind of um uh mimicking uh ramita senior yes uh absolutely so um so that's kind of the background with how this issue came to be and and part of the reason why um it was so controversial because basically everyone who was working on it at the time outside of the editor-in-chief wanted nothing to do with it uh, you know, Jerry Conway, who first brought Peter and Mary Jane together in the 70s, he always said, oh, this is it was a terrible idea to marry them. Although Jerry also wrote that Parallel Lives graphic novel, which kind of like, 
fleshed them out more as a couple. Probably probably does a much better job selling the two of them as a couple than this this issue does. Um, and he's but now you know, renew your vows where they have a kid. Right. Um, but um, overall, it was kind of it, it's nobody wanted to touch this thing. Um, they ended up having a ceremony at uh, Shea Stadium in Queens where Stan Lee was the priest and uh, a, a redhead in a wedding dress and a guy in a Spider-Man costume got married. I mean, you know, like it, it's just like pure like 80s Marvel magic with like Stan the schmaltzy salesman and Shooter like with like dollar signs like Scrooge McDuck in his eyes kind of a thing. So Amy is over here just rolling her eyes at that. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, it was definitely eye rolling, but um, you know, the comic itself. I mean, we'll talk, we can talk about. I'm I'm curious to hear what 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 um, our 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 lady guests think about this, just because I don't know. I mean, Dan, I think we have a tendency to kind of just take this issue for granted. It's the wedding issue, and you know, there are some. I, I when I was doing the the MJ storyline top ten list some time ago, I put it in there, and I even said. You know, it's really not a great story, but it's so historic. How do you not put it on the list? You know, um, so kind of coming in as an outsider, I'd be curious to to hear some some of their thoughts on it. And you know, in fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a question up in the air here. Um, and you know, Aaron and Amy, if you can start chiming in. I mean, I guess the big thing is, you know, you're 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 picking this thing up for the first time. I mean, how does this comic sell? peter and mj to you as as an actual couple like you know i mean do you get the sense that these are people that are in love and you know are like star-crossed lovers here or what i i have obviously some some background in spider-man i've i've gleaned some things from you i've sort of absorbed things uh by osmosis so i'm very familiar with peter and mj as a couple and i enjoy them as a couple in theory but this was this was not good i don't want to say it was a dumpster fire but it was there was a pile of garbage and it was starting to smolder it it was not i I didn't really buy I I bought them as two people who cared very deeply for one another but should not be getting married because they had such a deep disconnect on the subject of their marriage on uh, uh the way they live their lives um uh, just the way they communicate with one another they just neither one of them seemed to want to get married so i didn't believe that they should be getting married i have many of the same thoughts it just seems like these are two people living each in their own realm who are kind of thrown together by whoever is writing this book it doesn't seem like in real life that either of these people would be even be remotely interested in pursuing one another beyond just kind of surface relationship. Um, you know, she, she has her own very independent career, uh, you know, as an actress model personality, you know, and, and there's, and just her own way of existing too is very free. You know, she's, she's not one to be locked down he, on the other hand, has a whole other set of things going on in his life, obviously kind of living a double life, um, but also dealing with a lot of things surrounding uh, the loss of Gwen and dealing with uh, his insecurities and fears about protecting the people he loves from uh, you know, a, a similar fate as to what happened with Gwen. And so... I, yeah, they and they don't communicate at all. <laughs> I, I I got to the end and I was like, yeah, I got questions. I got questions about these people. Uh, you know, I I thought it was really odd that they get to the point of, you know, going out for their bachelor and bachelorette parties with all of these questions uh, about what being married actually means and the kind of gravitas of that. And they hadn't even like thought, thought about it before. (laughs) I just thought it was weird. No, it was, it was very strange. And it also felt like 
they had a list of bullet points of things that they needed to get in. They needed to make sure that he, uh, that Peter remembered Gwen and that lost and throw in like a couple of panels about who that was Betty. Is that Betty? Uh, threw in a couple panels about her, and let's throw in let's throw in a quick origin story because clearly people have picked up Annual Number Twenty One and don't know how Spider Man got his powers, um, and and then to go through and oh I, I I love MJ desperately, and oh she's starting to accept me as Spider Man, but oh. Getting married is serious stuff, and I don't know about forever. It just it feels like this was something that was supposed to take place over the course of, I don't know, maybe several months worth of issues in a buildup to a wedding that we you know could believe should take place. But instead, they condensed it all into one issue, and they also got married and apparently had a steamy honeymoon, and they live happily ever after, question mark? Well, well no, they... They don't. <laughs> they do not. Um, uh, almost, almost the exact opposite, consistently. Yeah, and, and and you know, Dan and I can chime in here just to give a little more context. I mean, you know, the reason why this seems very slapped together is because it is. Um, I would say, what was it? Was it the the Ned Leeds Hobgoblin issue, Dan, where like the issue ends with Black Cat, who Peter was dating at the time, kind of dropping off a costume with him, and like, oh, and like you know, Peter's still like, oh, the Black Cat, she's she's my girl. And then, like, one issue later is um, ASM 290, and that's the proposal issue. Um, yeah. And then, like, you know, two months later, they're married. Um, it's totally, so, it was totally slapdash out of nowhere. Um, yeah. I, I want to defend the book a little bit. Um, I agree with everything that everyone is saying, and I think the real disconnect in this book is that they – like get married and it's portrayed as like a super happy moment um, because I think this could really work as a story about two people rushing into marriage with doubts in their minds and then the kind of troubled after effects that would then go on to plague Peter and, and Mary Jane for the rest of their marriage. There is a lot of doubt throughout their whole marriage um, about whether you know she's ready to handle the burden of him being Spider-Man, um, and like whether he can kind of keep up with all these other suitors who are coming after her, even in this very issue. Um, and I think the kind of like reservations that Peter has are very much a part of his character. We actually even just talked about that in a recent review of of an issue um, about. You know, Peter's like keeping people at arm's length in in regards to his fears of hurting them. Um, I like all that stuff. It's just weird to see it end in such a like picture perfect kind of thing. Um, and and as much as I love the speech that like Flash and Harry give Peter in like you know the coffee bean, and it it gets you most of the way there. There is a real serious missing beat where Peter decides like. This is it. Like, I'm going to do this because I love Mary Jane. Um, But I think other than that, this is a really, like, solid issue about, like, the character of Peter Parker and his, like, doubts and and self-anxiety about his future. Um, And I like that element of this. I mean, can we just talk about how he has a nightmare, like, the night before and wakes up in a cold sweat and then – we don't see him again until he's late to the funeral, to the funeral, huh? <laughs> to the wedding. <laughs> you know, like he, there's a big gap that exists there that I think, eh, I don't know when I, you know, learning from Mark just a few moments ago about kind of how this issue came to be. And the idea was just kind of like, Oh yeah, we're going to do this. So let's just do it. Um, it definitely just, that's, that gap is representative of that mentality about it in my mind. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, you know, I kind of straddle the fence and and I guess to defend it a little bit like Dan, I mean, I think that what's most, the thing that's problematic for me about this comic is that it, 
I think because of Shooter, the writer Jim Shooter's insistence on, you know, we're 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 going to make this an event. Um, there's it, it kind of straddles the fence between actually trying to be a genuine, sincere sp- story about Peter and Peter's character, and vis-a-vis a major life step in getting married, and then also like what Aaron alluded to earlier, kind of like hitting. You know, hitting the the bo- you know checking the boxes off in terms of like like I think in my past talks about this comic, I always say it's very sitcommy to me. It's like okay, well you know now we're gonna have the bachelor bachelorette parties and we're gonna have like oh here's here's J Jonah Jameson to have some hijinks and uh, you know okay here's the token uh, Peter Peter's feeling nervous and nope well, here's the emotional scene where he's worried about Gwen but oh we're just gonna gloss over all that and have the I now pronounce you man and wife end scene and um I think because of that kind of conflicting tone, because as Dan mentioned, there is some stuff there that's true to the character that feels organic and and should be getting explored more. But there's like this feeling of, you know, editorial forces railroading the 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 sitcommy elements and beyond that that I think kind of cheapens where what this story should actually be. I I can completely see that i i guess in sort of not backpedaling exactly but i I think my problems with this issue are that there's there's no nuance and the last you know when when amy and i were last on the show we were sitting down to discuss blue which was which was painted in in so many different beautiful shades and there was so much nuance and there was so much character development. And, you know, I mean, we're looking at this, this issue, the wedding issue in a vacuum. We're just taking it at face value for what it is. And there's no nuance or, or very little. There are a couple of panels, uh, a couple of scenes where there's there that, that just sort of sparkle with life. And those are the ones where I said, Oh, maybe this is maybe from here on out, we get to see the, the magic of, of Peter Parker and MJ. Um, but I think that it's just too forced. It feels forced. It doesn't feel natural. And as a result, as a very casual reader, it wasn't uh, particularly enjoyable. What do you guys think? One of the things I like reading and collecting Spider-Man comics for is to kind of like use them as, you know, uh, uh, um, I guess like uh, signposts for how time has passed and how culture has changed. And I think the culture surrounding marriage has changed a lot from when this comic was published you know here are two people kind of rushing into marriage as if it were like as serious as moving in with someone you know and and i think there is something too like that the idea of marriage and its import in society has has changed a great deal what do you think about looking at this as kind of like a historical reflection of marriage I wonder if this is, I, I, I mean, I, I, taking it at face value that this is how weddings happened, it's very disconcerting. I mean, they didn't even tell their 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 family until, what, three days before the wedding? It was very confusing. He gave her the engagement ring a couple of days before that she helped pick out. I guess that's not that unusual today. But just the the way it was all slapped together, it felt very, very fast. Whereas today, I mean, if you know, if you were writing a comic book and not to generalize, but if if you're assuming that at least a percentage of your readers are women and you want it to be somewhat accurate, 
the planning of the wedding is going to take place over about a year of issues. I mean, it is, you have to think about everything. You have to think about who's sitting next to who. You need to think about the flowers. You need to think about, well, you shouldn't throw rice because it's bad for the birds. So what are you going to throw? Are you going to blow bubbles? Is that going to annoy you? And then can we please talk about why J. Jonah Jameson is footing the bill for the reception? How did that happen? I have so much anxiety right now (laughs) having you talk about all of these things because they're... I never, I never knew that rice was bad for birds. Not that we plan to throw rice at our own wedding, but God, like now I'm we're definitely get, We're not. getting married in June for the listeners, by the way. So yeah. there's a lot going on. I'm right now imagining, you know, uh, 12 issues of people picking out the right cards to, for the invites. And, you know, this could rival the clone <laughs> saga in length, just like the wedding prep saga, you know. <laughs> I, I mean, I got to be honest. I mean, and maybe this is just me being way too forgiving, but like the 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 truncatedness of all of these elements, it just doesn't. I, I just don't care about it because it, to me, it's like this is a comic book story, and like it's and not only is it a comic book story, it's a superhero comic book story. I mean, it, we're, we're already dealing in heightened fantastical elements. I, I don't want to be bogged down in the minutia of planning a wedding. I mean, it's like, it's, it's like, you're just, I'm just forgiving the, it, the, it's suspension of disbelief, like up, up to the nth degree, I admit. But it's like, yeah, when you stop and think about it, you could, you could poke a ton of holes about it. But like, to me, what's more important, if, you know, if you're going to do a, a wedding issue in the confines of, a superhero comic book story it's are are you being true to the characters are you are you are you you know does it does it balance some of the superhero elements in there as well i mean we have like the electro fight in there and you know there there are some like cool cute lines in there about peter getting footprints on the ceiling and uh you know obviously them going to the top of the empire state building is like you know it's a it's a huge gesture but it's also something that can only be done because you know it's spider-man and he can climb to the top of the empire state building with his with his his beloved um like those are those are more important to me than you know oh you know aunt may only got three days notice and you can book city hall in two days yeah i you know like like to me like i'm not interested in reading about that in a spider-man story if it's like a graphic novel dealt that's takes place in the real world then yeah i would expect we'd be be talking about those things i guess um i guess anyway i totally understand that like that that any comic book the main goal of it is that it has these characters and these archetypes that it's playing to and it's um every book you pick up should you know be an example of those things i think I don't want to speak for Aaron, but the struggle that I find in that is that if I'm just reading one issue, like a one-off issue, I, I'm i not connecting with, with these archetypes uh, because the things that are happening don't make sense. <laughs> like they're behaving in ways that don't make sense um, to me as a, you know, a, a, a non-Spider-Man reader. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, so I struggle with that a bit. I completely agree. And I I didn't mean to suggest before that I honestly thought that we should spend a couple of pages on Peter determining what stock of paper should be used in the wedding invitations. What, uh, What I meant was, you know, I mean, what a wedding is, is today versus perhaps what a wedding was then, or at least what they're portraying a wedding to be, feel very disconnected. But beyond that, of course, willing suspension of disbelief, we're throwing this wedding together. It's going to be magical. It's going to be great. But at the end of the day, the characters that I saw on the page, the MJ and the Peter that were presented in this issue, both had very real questions about if they should get married, very real doubts. And I, as a reader, 
don't know if they answered them before getting to the altar. I'm really worried about their longevity. I don't think they're going to make it. And I'm, I'm guessing that that uh, concern is well-deserved. <laughs> so. No, I think that's totally fair. I mean, and I, and, I, and I know you, you know, I didn't mean to be overly glib about. Don't be glib, Matt. Yeah, yeah. About the minutia of, of a wedding. But I mean, I am just like, like, I think of the things that do bother me or not bother me about this comic like some of like the the like i said the truncated unrealistic elements of how how the mechanics of a wedding are um i just like those are the least of my concerns you know um but yeah i mean talking about do they actually resolve the doubts um i think that's a valid point um but the doubts are wonderful, like all the Gwen stuff on the top of Empire, the Empire State Building, seeing the bridge in the distance. and Which bridge was it, Dan? <laughs> I think here it's shown to be the Brooklyn Bridge. Okay. And in fact, they call it that by name. I noticed that. Yeah. I've, I've, re- I've read the draft of your book enough times to know about that. <laughs> But yeah, I um I I agree. I think that the the issues and the doubts and the questions that they have are great and they're compelling and they they tell a wonderful story, but we don't get to enjoy that story. We're given just a, a little a little taste of it and then they barrel on towards the conclusion where I want to see them wrestle with that. I want to see them I want to see Peter think about Gwen and his fears about being close to people and watching them get hurt. And, you know, are he and MJ truly compatible? And I want to see him come to the conclusion that he wants to marry her more than he fears that it won't work. Dan, do you want to marry me more than you fear that it doesn't work? I'm just afraid that my my villains might hurt you. I find it interesting, Dan, that for back-to-back years, we we had them read this read a story where you know Peter is essentially pining most of the issue or storyline for his dead ex-girlfriend. What does that say? <laughs> this is our form of romance is pining for the, for those who we've lost. Yeah. Um, Let me ask you guys this: since you've been married go- almost ten years now. Uh, about your uh, wedding and any tips you might have for us in terms of these kind of anxieties. Did you feel any anxieties yourself? Well, we're an interesting case study because we were also together as a couple for seven years before we got married. So we had uh, plenty of time to have doubts and resolve them and hash things out. I think for us, the biggest struggle, the biggest question was actually moving in with one another because we waited for, what about, uh, almost five years, four and a half, five years before we moved in. Oh, yeah, at least, yeah. About five years. How many many of those doubts were associated with Mark owning so many Spider-Man comics? (laughs) (laughs) That certainly came into play. But um, I I think that we had to come to terms with who we were and what we wanted out of life and what parts of our lives and our personalities were non-negotiable, that you had to take it take it or leave it and which parts of us and our personalities were negotiable and could have edges softened or um you know i mean water seeks water seeks its level and i think that there are certain aspects of my personality that over time not that i changed for him but that i changed by being around him i want to say that i improved and he likewise from being around me morphed slightly and now we are as then uh became a better fit for one another but i think that 
you need to be very honest and you need to communicate certainly better than MJ and Peter did here because <laughs> I they they just kept having thought bubbles. It was like say it, just say it to each other. <laughs> um, you can't, it's serialized fiction. That's how it works. Nobody addresses <laughs> their common problems. No. That and Chekhov. <laughs> Yeah, and if I can give, like, one word of advice about the wedding itself, it's that, and maybe this is part of the reason why I also don't want to read about it in a comic book. It's, like, to me, like, I I enjoyed the wedding to a degree, but, like, it's, like, you know, the bigger stress comes from that, like, wasn't, for me, wasn't, like, the commitment element or anything. It was, like, oh, God, our families are such pains in the asses. <laughs> I totally feel that right now. I think that's yeah. what's happening to me, so. Yeah. So. Amy that, has that, become that... a certified crank over the past week regarding my mother. Okay, we're not supposed to talk about oh, okay. this. Okay. <laughs> my, my mother is not listening to this podcast. All I was going to say is. She's I, I, helpful. <laughs> I, can't. Uh, I can relate to that. <laughs> oh, I, my. oh my. I can't I can't I can't say anything to assure you that it'll get better. <laughs> no, but you get better at it. Yeah, there you go. And I think the thing for the two of you to hold on to is that um the wedding the wedding is really not for you guys. It's not. It's for your families. It's the party that they all need to accept that the two of you are a couple. The marriage is for you. And the marriage really begins the next day. Yeah. Where I'm the two excited. of you wake up next to each other. Yeah. More it, than I'm excited to like have a wedding day. Sorry, parents, if you're listening, because you're spending all kinds of money on this. Uh, thanks for the dress and the food and for being there. But I'm just excited to be doing life with Dan. My excitement is still outweighed by my fear of my villains murdering you in a horrible fashion. What kind of villains are we talking about here? Uh, well, I think many of them are associated with Swarm. It's true, and and there are some people on social media that are that don't really like us, Dan. So, That's and there's true. like rival websites. <laughs> it, it should be fine. Amy, are you allergic to bees? No, but Dan is, so that's why he's right. fearful of swarm. <laughs> so, okay, so pack Benadryl. I'll have Benadryl in my purse. We'll be okay. Okay. Well, we're very excited to have you both at our wedding. Uh, hopefully, it won't be packed with super villains and things like that and hopefully mirage doesn't show up but i don't know that the ladies know much about mirage yeah no there that's that's gonna go way over their heads so i think <laughs> i think on that note speaking of mirages dan what's going on with the friendly neighborhood spider talk members club Dan, it's my favorite and your favorite time to talk about the Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. Of course, you can link up to our Patreon account uh, by clicking on the link on the front page of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. I I think Chase and Amazing technically has a link too, but that site hasn't been updated in about three and a half years. Uh, uh, Has it really been that long? No, about two years. Uh, (laughs) I know. Sadness. Um... But yeah, um, we got two new members this this month uh, doing a monthly donation. It's uh, Drake Holman and Gabriel Roman. Hopefully not Gabriel Stacy, because um, we know his his French rapping didn't go so well during the tryout period. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think that was very well received. But uh, yeah, thanks Drake and Gabriel. It means a lot that you're supporting us. Um, we rely on on your donations to keep this thing going and keep the show as uh, regular as it is. Um, so thank you again. Um, all right. So, um, you know, like we do every other week, we announce a new giveaway for everybody who is a member of our club and, uh, we choose 
uh, a member at random to send a prize out to. And this week we got a pretty nice graphic novel that we could send out that's very on theme with the book we just talked about today. Mark, what are we giving away? It's the Renew Your Vows graphic novel. Are we talking the one from Secret Wars, or is this the first volume of the new series? No, it's the Secret Wars one. Uh, oh, great. In a nice book, and uh, uh, that was a series that we liked pretty much, uh, pretty well, right? Yeah, probably one of the better uh, new series that we've had over the last few years. So, Yeah, cool. So, uh, cool. If you didn't read that or if you just want to get it collected, uh, a good way to be entered into that draw is by joining our friendly neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. That's the FNSTMC for short. So, uh, that for rolls, short. That rolls right off the tongue, doesn't it? Oh, it just it just slides off. It's great. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, uh, speaking of uh, slippery tongues, if you will, let's let's get into our swarms B title reviews. So, uh, Dan, uh, Swarm, whoo, there seems to be a, a nonstop supply of controversy with our, our B-Book host here, Swarm, the past few weeks. I mean, there's been talks of voter fraud, Russian bees influencing our online vote a few months ago. There were even some weird comments on Twitter from Swarm's account directed towards grizzly bears and yellow jackets. I, hear, I think he even made like a Mark Cuban comment the other day. I don't know what's going on with Swarm. He's just, he's just all over the map. He talked about his purple cape. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I, I think gr- the villain Grizzly is getting really upset about this. And, uh, yeah, that Twitter account is kind of getting out of control. Um, I mean, uh, if you want to follow it, what we're talking about, that's at Nazi Bee Skeleton on, on Twitter. And, uh, man, I mean, he is really getting incendiary. Uh, multiple tweets a day, a- angry, angry, somewhat fascistic tweets. Yeah, and they're usually very random, and you know, it you, you makes you wonder if there's something going on with with Swarm's faculties. Um, well, you know, I, 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 on that note, Dan, I think I think the heat has gotten a bit too much for him because, um, you know, when I was coordinating with him on Twitter, of course, about coming on this week, he he told me that he's not coming on; he's sending a surrogate in his place. Um, so we we are we are now uh, going instead of hearing from Swarm this week, we're going to hear from his press secretary and director of communications, Olaf B. Stinger. Um, Olaf, come on in. Join the Nazi B party, I guess. Hello. First, I will lead prepared statement from Swarm. Podcast media is completely unfair and biased. Amazing Spider Talk is fake news of podcasts. Since joining their show, I have brought them nothing but the greatest ratings. My segment is the highest rated show on iTunes, period. The rest of the show doesn't even rank in the top 100. You should all be ashamed of yourselves, and you disgust our dear leader swarm. Do you have any questions? No, not you, you're fake news. You're fake news. You're, you're definitely fake news. Mr. Stinger, uh, it's only Mark and I here. Who are you even talking to? Uh, you and Swarm seem to be seeing these uh, multitudes of people that don't exist. Quite fake news. You're wrong. I will call on podcaster from Bart News. Yes, the reporter. Is it true that Swarm is a supreme leader of visual podcast reviews and amazing Spider Talk co-hosts Mark and Dan are just filthy scavenging yellow jackets that need to be locked away? That is a great question. Yes. Mark and Dan are disgusting. Filthy people who deserve to feel the pain of a thousand stings. Also, Dippin' Dots are not the ice cream of the future since they don't melt and leave behind a sweet trail of melted ice cream and the press conference. Dan, uh, whew, I'm kind of stunned or stung, maybe. Uh, God, I haven't been picked apart like that in 
weeks, I guess. The last time Swarm was on. I just I don't know. I love Dippin' Dots and 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 I and I've totally bought into them as the the ice cream of the future. You know, I I often go shopping, you know, at those carts of Dippin' Dots in the mall after I'm done shopping at Nordstrom's. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Nordstrom's a good place to get like the Swarm uh purple cape line, I think. <laughs> I've heard they've stopped carrying that ever since his Twitter stuff has kind of gone crazy. Oh, man. He's not going to be happy about that. No, I don't think so at all. Well, you know, uh, enough about Swarm. Let's talk about some of these B-books. Yeah, yeah. You know, I thought I thought speaking of um, fascist-type sociopaths, um, we would talk about the end of the Carnage series, uh, the Jerry Conway, Mike Perkins series uh, that ran a prodigious 16 issues. Um, that's certainly longer than... Uh, most people, I think, would have expected a Carnage series to run. Um, you know, Dan, I, I started out reviewing this book for the website, and I, I was always very favorable towards it. Um, I do think it kind of lost some steam over the last arc or so. Um, but what, did you, what, what are your general thoughts about how this thing ended up? Yeah, I, I agree. I think it kind of spun its wheels for a little while. I mean, I, I liked that the... There was kind of an emphasis on on defining these characters, but I, I I never really felt like I had even with after all that time that great a sense of them. And I think as much as I love Mike Perkins' creepy art in this book, and I think it's really something unusual for Marvel to kind of go this dark and and uh, and this kind of direction. I do think it made it hard to kind of connect with these characters because they often looked visually similar or. Um, the book kind of was just so out of left field. It, like I never really felt like I got a good grasp of who all these people were towards the end, um, and I think that kind of undermined the series and and it and its focus on them. Yeah, I mean, I still think kind of, and they even talked about this in the letter section of the last issue. You know, like the general like elevator pitch of this series, you know, Tomb of Dracula meets Carnage is great. Um, I think it's a great idea, but I. I you know, we were kind of saying from the get-go, like, carnage and an ongoing, are we sure about that? And and I think, you know, as as effective and fun and out of left field as the series was, this it, it, it became exposed over time as something that is not an ongoing. Even, even at 16 issues, it's not an ongoing. I mean, like, you know... Just to kind of, for comparison's sake, I mean, Superior Foes of Spider-Man, you know, we were all kind of cynical about that. And then once it got going, and that thing lasted 17 issues, and to me, like, outside of maybe one or two fill-in issues, it never felt like the pace went down. Um, whereas this, like you said, it was kind of spinning its wheels a little bit, kind of going back. Um, you know, definitely doing all these kind of, monster book elements that i think for most people kind of is lost on them although I, I i know i don't think you you don't watch marvel's agents of shield right dan i do not um they're they're doing this whole subplot with the dark hold this series really? this season yeah which is kind of shocking to me because i you know as someone who has not read a lot of 70s marvel monster books um the dark hold i was when they started talking about it in this series, I was kind of like, what is this thing? Um, so then, you know, as reading Carnage and then hearing them talk about it on um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which also has been having a Ghost Rider subplot, which probably makes sense why they're one and one here. But it was kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm actually in the know on something. I feel like kind of hip and cool on something right now. <laughs> so, so thanks, Jerry Conway. <laughs> <laughs> But what did you think about the very end of this series? Because it kind of, you know, I felt like at the very least, while I wasn't loving it, like the direction it took towards the end, um, there was a lot to still kind of like find interesting as it kind of escalated towards, you know, this this final like uh, revival of the big bad evil god that Carnage was trying to summon forth. What did you think of the kind of like final climax here? Well, like you said, it's 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 tough because like you know they're they're trying to give these characters that we really haven't gotten to know their moments of redemption or or um, 
you know, bravery and courage. I mean, Brock has this moment and gets in a last, you know, a glass for, you know, once in your life, shut up Brock, which I thought was kind of <laughs> a funny thing. Um, but it, I, I feel like some of the climax was, was weakened by the fact that with a lot of these characters, it, it, like the, the stakes didn't connect. Cause I, I, like you said, I, I, I didn't really outside of Brock and Colonel Jameson who are obviously established characters. So a lot of the resonance they have with me is not just from this story, but they're just their general history in the comics. Um, I wasn't feeling the stakes, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. I think my bigger thing alongside that is um, that the resolution felt kind of cheap to me, like this kind of angelic, all-powerful symbiote combo yeah. that uh, – like it became Dragon Ball Z for <laughs> a moment there. Like everybody went Super Saiyan and – and that always felt to me like kind of a it, – it's kind of a deus ex machina, especially I guess in this instance where we are dealing with literal gods. Um, I, I liked the kind of jubilile, um, you know, the kind of character moments with her even though she – and I think the big mistake in this series was introducing her and then abandoning her storyline for like five issues. Um, yeah. Uh, so I think it robbed a lot of the kind of payoff. In this issue, um, as as cool as the visuals were, I, I and as uh, strong as I felt like Brock's sacrifice was, um, especially now that we know that he's going to be Venom again, which was nice to see. Um, yeah, I, I felt like it was kind of a cheap way of wrapping things up in an issue. Yeah, I, I definitely a little too convenient of a of a storyline wrap. Um, and it's, of course, it's, you know, what do, what do we do for Carnage next, do you think, Dan? I don't know. I mean, I, every one of these stories I read, I kind of hope it's the end of Carnage, you know, even if I like the story. Because yeah. Because I feel like the character could successfully be put to rest. And, you know, now that we're getting Eddie back as Venom, you know, I, I feel like it'd be nice to simplify. And it was nice to see Toxin kind of go away here. It, it'd be nice to simplify the symbiote family even to the point of getting rid of Carnage. Um, uh, so the, the symbiote can be given time to earn back its kind of power as, as a villain and, and a character in the Marvel Universe. Um, uh, I don't know what we do next with Carnage. I mean... I just don't know what story you can tell at this point because, I mean, like you think about the last few um, Carnage books. I mean, we had... Uh, Carnage with the uh, the wizard in Superior Carnage, and then we had Carnage the good guy in Axis, and now it's like Carnage via Tomb of Dracula here. I mean, like, we're really kind of taking... I mean, these are now, like, what-if stories, more or less, and it's like, okay, like... You know, I, I, the character has just run its course. Like you said, I, I, I don't know if you can... I don't think you could ever get rid of him outright, but, I mean... They really should consider a moratorium for, I would say, at least a couple of years. I, I don't know what else you would want to do with the character anymore. Yeah, and I, I feel like Cletus is, you know, this this story did some work with his character. But, you know, he's been through so many weird things, you know, from being like literally killed and randomly brought back from the dead. You know, uh, I don't really have any attachment to that guy and maybe that's the trick is to do what they did with Venom which is give the symbiote to someone else and allow another character to flesh out who this symbiote is um, independent of Cletus uh, I don't know I mean that's the only direction I could see it going that might make it more interesting I think as they did with Ven the Venom uh, symbiote until they did that to death too as you're going to explore in your series. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the thing with Venom, though, is I still feel like the character 
separate from the symbiote, Eddie Brock is a more compelling character than Cletus Cassidy ever was, you know, like, like, you know, on a lot of levels. And we, and, and part of that is the longevity of the character. I mean, we've gotten to explore him from a few angles, but I mean, even as anti-venom and, and, you know, Brock kind of like going up against Flash Thompson venom in, in that series, uh, a few years ago, like, I, I've always been more invested in the character and, and the decisions he's made um, versus what Cletus Cassidy is. So it's like, you know, yeah, we can get to know the symbiote more, but like, I always feel like with Venom, you know, Brock is just as much as, as an interesting part of that story as the symbiote itself. Yeah, that's why I'm so excited to see him back in the Venom symbiote because I feel like he's a character that hasn't been. Like, weirdly enough, for as much as it has happened to the Venom symbiote, Brock has not really been ruined through a process of that. Like, he – I think he almost is in a better place than the Venom symbiote. Uh, you know, he's only become more interesting. So I'm, I'm very curious to see what it means for those two to rejoin um, now that they're in such different places. Right. Well, again, I don't want to make it sound like we're poo-pooing all over what – uh, Conway and Perkins did. I think for the most part, it was a pretty valiant effort and and a bright spot. I think in Carnage, um, especially in compared to some of the other stories over the years. Um, although I, I I feel like we both were pretty positive on both Axis and Superior Carnage, especially when compared to other stuff from like the early 2000s and stuff but um i feel like if this story was the length of those stories i would have i would have been like way higher on it like it just went on too long it went on too long and and it just like you said it it just it once again exposed the the overall inherent weaknesses of the character which i just don't even think someone as gifted as a writer as jerry conway is um can gloss over after so much time. Yeah, absolutely. All righty. Well, Dan, glad we got to do this. Sorry that, you know, the lead into us talking about this book was us getting insulted by a Nazi being named Olaf. All right, Dan. Well, I, I, I guess we have to say goodbye to, well, I guess we're the special guests. Technically, it's not our show this week. <laughs> uh <laughs> So, so I guess we have to kind of pull the pull the the reins back from um, our, our our lovely our lovely ladies here who were very very good and had some great things to say about the wedding issue. A lot of it, I feel, Dan, we've kind of talked about in passing over the years. It's you know so, but yeah, you know, it's good to hear their perspective on this. And um, you know, I like that we do these episodes. Maybe. Uh, well, maybe we could do a special wedding episode in June uh, with all four of us. That would be a lot of that would be a lot of fun. Because uh, you know that's 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 going to be our top priority is doing a podcast. Right, right, right. Not, we'll not we'll, we'll wedding. share our ideas and then we'll like, excuse us for a moment. We're not taking photos. We are recording a podcast. I mean, we have our priorities straight. It's fine. Yeah, everybody I think you enjoy owe some it. appetizers. You owe it to your listeners. <laughs> right, right. I think. It, who do we really think, owe it to? I think Amy would be like, wow, this is the fastest divorce ever because, like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to do that now, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm really getting married to Mark. Let's be real. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think that that's already happened. That, that happened, what, a couple years ago at this point? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by the way, Aaron, I'm taking your husband for one night every week. <laughs> That's fine. I get half his collection. Oh. I, get half. I have I've, not even locked that down yet. So what's going to happen? We might have to sign a prenuptial agreement. Oh, you guys are in California. She gets half. Is that how that works I've, out here? Uh, yeah. Don't worry. Dan's collection is worth less because he has the annuals. Oh, oh. sick burn. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that was a burn at all. I don't think it makes any sense, but... You're the one missing the annuals, darling. All right. Why don't we do the outro, people? all right. You can find all of our new Amazing Spider Talk and old Superior Spider Talk podcasts at superiorspidertalk.com or find us on iTunes and Stitcher by searching Amazing Spider Talk. 
And if you do, please leave a rating and comment to let us know how we're doing and we'll read it on the air. If you have any opinions on these comics or any questions, email them to us at amazingspidertalk at gmail.com, call 9redgoblin, or tweet at us with OK to print, and we will address and read them on air. Also, be sure to check out both of Mark and Dan's Facebook pages and subscribe to their sister podcast, The Ultimate Spin, to keep up with the adventures of Spider-Gwen and Miles Morales. Also, don't forget to check out our friendly neighborhood soup. Oh, God, why is this name so long? Also, don't forget to check out... Also, don't forget to check out our friendly neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. Whew. That helps us support our show. This week, you could win a paperback copy of Amazing Spider-Man. Renew your vows. Wow. How, how uh, thematically uh, similar. Apropos. And, and yeah, Amy, I, I, that, that name is horrendous. So um. <laughs> I'm surprised there's not an acronym for it yet. Oh, the no, is. Yeah, it's the, the FNSTMC. Yeah. Oh, God. How did we not catch that? How did yeah, we of course, that? of course. Well, you know, ladies, thanks for having us on uh, your show. But um, where can all the listeners find you guys if they want to, like, keep in touch with you or whatever? Well, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Erin Hadley. Um, I also am co-hosting a new podcast that will be, uh, it should be dropping pretty soon. It's called Hailing Frequencies Open. It's about Star Trek because I am not the only nerd in this marriage. I had no Um, idea about this. I'm really excited about it. Tell us more about this. Um, well, it's three people having a um, casual conversation about uh, a very a very fast and loose conversation about Star Trek, uh, particularly Star Trek The Next Generation. We're going back and re-watching the episodes and sharing our thoughts on them uh, while also keeping up with Star Trek news and um, just everything in the Star Trek universe. That's us. You can find us um, on Twitter at um, at Hailing Freak Open, I think. But if you go to Facebook and search Hailing Frequencies Open, you'll find us. They actually made me into a Star Trek cartoon. It's pretty fantastic. I'm not going to lie. That is so cool. I'm going to have to start. I've never watched Star Trek, to be honest. So I might have to start watching it alongside your show. It's pretty great. Okay, well, I I don't have anything really interesting to follow that up with, but if you want to look at pretty pictures of our cats, um, you can follow me on Instagram (laughs) at Amy Sandifer, all one word, or you can find me on Snapchat if you just search for my name. Um, I really like the filters that uh, alter your voice. So, yeah, if you're looking to have just some meaningless fun, uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. That's really adorable. Oh. <laughs> Mark, what about you? Uh, at Chasing ASM Blog on Twitter. Of course, you can find my writings at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. We're doing a little there in Brock again. Huh? Uh, huh? Uh, uh, the history of broke the, the internet. Yeah. Eddie Brock in the Venom costume. And, of course, uh, you know, go, go to all major... Uh, uh, book retailers uh, online now, and you can order your copy of 100 Things Spider-Man Fans uh, Should Know and Do Before They Die. I'm currently reviewing the the proof of it, and uh, the, it's 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 happening, people. So uh, hopefully, we'll be out around June. So, uh, and Dan, know, what about you? Uh, well, you can follow me on uh, on Twitter at at sup spider talk and read all of my Spider-Man writing as per usual over at superiorspidertalk.com. You know, Mark and Aaron, uh, before your wedding, I know you both went over to Mark's Uncle Ben, uh, I guess your uncle-in-law, Aaron, um, and asked him for marriage advice. And I'm curious, what what advice did he uh, have to give you guys? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny, Dan. Um, I went to I, – I was really looking for some paternal advice from Uncle Ben. I mean, you know, I was like – I was even like hoping he could fix me up with a nice mob tie um, for the event. And he was like – uh, son, I'm sorry. Uh, I I really want to talk to your wife to be because I have 
I have some things we got to discuss before uh, this 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 wedding comes to fruition. So w- w- he never told me what he said, Aaron. What 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 happened that time? Yes, um, I I remember that so vividly. So it actually um, when we actually spoke, it happened at the uh, uh, at the ceremony. We um, we were waiting to be. <sighs> to be wed. And, um, I was standing in, in the back room, sort of looking in the mirror, adjusting my veil, trying to calm my racing heart. And uncle Ben came in and he is just such a calming presence. And he sat me down. He said, dear child, you don't know what you're getting yourself into. Um, this family is bananas. You should run, not walk to the nearest exit. And I said, Oh, Uncle Ben, you're so funny. And he said, Ha ha. And, um, and we heard, um, a strange noise outside, um, which wasn't that unusual because they were loading in the, the DJ was loading in all of his equipment for the reception to follow. And, um, and so, uh, we heard a boom, something, something fell. So of course I run outside, uncle Ben runs after me and we see the, the DJ has been, uh, pinned underneath one of those giant speaker things. So uncle Ben ever, ever the noble spirit ran in to help him. Uh, we didn't realize that, uh, that the the speaker was live and um in fact it electrocuted him horribly um there were screams the the smell of singed hair and in human flesh i'm sorry i'm getting emotional but um i ran to him i and i held him in my arms and i said uncle ben not today not today and he said oh my dear child you just have to remember that with great podcast, there must also come amazing spider talk. You know, it's bad luck to see the bride before her wedding, Dan. I mean, serves them right. <laughs> sorry, sorry, we're so callous. Don't, don't miss the next Well done.